Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Programme, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools, and we're here every Saturday at noon. So far, without fail, even in the COVIDness plague times, we're here. We're here to defend and promote public education. And we've got a fairly full programme for you this afternoon. We'll be talking a lot about those members of our community who are essential, even more essential than construction workers and almost as essential as health workers in times of pay, namely our teachers. How much are they worth? Uh, how well have they been treated uh, in, in these covid times? But our press release 906 is actually about the right of private schools, private religious schools to discriminate. They take public money, and yet they want to have their cake and eat it. So that is what our 906 is about because the state government is proposing, don't make a mistake and think that they've actually put through, but they are proposing legislation to um, counteract the discrimination against uh, people who have different sexual preferences or even adulterers or even um, divorcees. Uh, if they see fit. Uh, the private and the public, uh, or the private and the private, the private becomes very private, and then it becomes public when it comes to matters of um, jobs, jobs in religious schools. But um, let's get on with it, shall we? Oliver's going to read the introduction to press release 906. Maddie is going to tell us about the reaction of the religious schools to the proposed legislation. And Sol is going to tell us what the dogs think about it all. Over to you, Oliver. Thank you, Jean. This week, Attorney General Jacqueline Symes announced a new piece of legislation. This bill will be brought to the Victorian Parliament before the end of year, limiting religious organisations and employing persons who subscribe to the values of the school counselling centre or aid agency. The age reports religious schools in Victoria will be prohibited from sacking or refusing to employ teachers because of their sexuality or gender identity under sweeping social reforms proposed by the Andrews government. Attorney General Jacqueline Symes said legislation would be introduced later this year to close an unfair, hurtful gap in anti-discrimination laws that allow faith-based organisations to discriminate on the basis of sexuality, gender, and marital status. People shouldn't have to hide who they are to keep their job, Ms. Simon said. While the story focuses on Christian schools, the legislation is again broad and will swallow a great number of organizations, even some churches. The Victorian bill would also mean no faith-based organizations could discriminate when delivering government-funded services, such as counseling or homelessness support or hiring out community facilities. Religious schools in Victoria currently have the power to sack or refuse to hire LGBTIQ people on the basis of their sexuality or gender identity and marital status. Religious organizations will still be able to employ people based on their religious belief where it's critical to do the job and there will be no change in how schools will convey their religious beliefs to students. The Victorian government said it would consult with relevant LGBTIQ plus education groups 
and faith groups before the legislation is introduced into Parliament. The matter is not resolved and religious groups have reacted. Well, how have they reacted, Uh, Maddie? Over to you. Yeah, no, I will tell you. Christian Schools Australia's Director of Public Policy, Mark Spencer, told Guardian Australia that Christian schools have never terminated staff based on their sexuality, gender identity or marital status. Isn't it rubbish? It is absolute rubbish. And they say, but over differences in beliefs. It seems that the government's proposal, this is a quote, is that they or a court or tribunal will be given the right to determine what beliefs can be required to be held in what positions in a Christian or Jewish or Islamic school, he said. Murray Campbell, a Baptist commentator, complained as follows. Who is the Attorney General to dictate to religious organisations what constitutes religious work and what is not? Do we really want the state educating and defining the theological beliefs and requirements of faith-based organisations? Is a gardener or an office administrator not doing specifically Christian work because they are not teaching scripture? The government is creating a false dichotomy which does not exist in the Christian faith nor in many other religions. Every role is an expression of commitment to God and is a valuable part of the whole which serves a common purpose. The government is also mistaken in assuming that because a role does not have a direct theological or spiritual teaching component, it is therefore irrelevant whether the whether the employee agrees with the organization's ethos, beliefs, and vision. This I is up there and say yes, for, 20, for 26 days in 1979 in the High Court of Australia, the religious schools argued the opposite. The oh. Yes, very interesting. But now they are saying that everything that is done in a religious school is for a religious purpose. Very interesting. It I will. It pains me, but I will. Why would any organisation or company employ someone who does not support the basic values and vision of that association? Equal opportunity doesn't mean sameness. Oh, my God, that statement is so problematic. Um, I, 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 separate but equal. I think we've been there before. And how did that one work out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Sorrel. Um, he continues, I'm not doubting the Victorian government's commitment to equal opportunity, but their paradigm is flawed and represents an ethic that is ultimately not about diversity, but is about conformity. And he is still continuing. Is the Attorney General the new Archbishop? Is the government replacement ecclesiastical council? The question needs to be asked. Is it reasonable for a government to determine what constitutes required religious adherence or not? Is the government's role to dictate theology and ministry practice? Does the government have the necessary skills and knowledge required to adequately understand theology and therefore make the right judgment regarding the question of what is inherent. In my humble opinion, I don't think that the church should have an opinion on education. But um, Well, I would argue that if a church or faith-based school is going to take government money, then it mm-hmm. loses its right to discriminate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, but, but actually Murray is correct that the state should not be telling you what you can or can't believe. That's correct. That actually is a very, very fundamental principle that he is trying to enunciate here because they can't. They've tried to in the past and it's ended up with people being burnt at the stake. Mm. So... Um, So Murray's argument about how the state should not tell religious people what they can and can't believe is a very strong one indeed, but he's leaving out uh, another part of the story. Mm -hmm. But do keep going, um, Maddie. I will. 
I will. The Labor government tried to pass similar legislation in 2016, the Equal Opportunity Amendment or Religious Exceptions Bill. It fell short by a single vote in the Legislative Council. The vote is likely to re be reversed on this occasion. Not only is this the latest attack on religious freedom a step too far, Jacqueline Symes is already hinting at expanding the legislation. The bill has not even been tabled in Parliament and the Attorney General is fishing for justification to broaden the intrusion into religious organisations. I think he's right there. I think it's a tie-on. <laughs> they tried it on and uh, let's see what happens because perhaps they might have the numbers this time and the religious schools are worried and they have every right to be worried. But um, uh, do keep going. Rather than saying, here are mean and intolerant Christians discriminating against others, the real picture is of religious organisations wanting to employ persons who affirm their stated values. It's called freedom of association. But also Section 116 was put in place to stop there being any state religion. So if a position is paid with by government funds, then you are not allowed to discriminate uh, employees of that position on a basis of faith. It's in our mm -hmm. constitution and it's what the dog's court case was all about. That's it. That's it. So you see... Um, these religious schools are now actually having to come to terms with the fact that there is a price to be paid when you take government money. Mm. But, um, yes, do keep going. Okay. Last paragraph. Should a cricket club be forced to appoint a coach who wants to change the game to lacrosse? Oh, my God. Should the... ALP be forced to welcome One Nation members into the fold and change their platform to accommodate One Nation? If a hospital employs a doctor who later changes their views, coming out as an anti-vax campaigner who disagrees with COVID vaccines, should the hospital be forced to put them in charge of immunology? Well, actually, the same sort of question we asked, the dogs asked, back in the 1980s when a person who was very obviously a promoter of private schooling was put in charge of public education. Uh, mm. And uh, should we have a Minister for Education who sends his children to private schools, for example? But um, so that is, those are all very interesting arguments that Murray is, is using. <laughs> They're very understandable and quite powerful arguments. However... The dogs want to say the following. Over to you, Sol. So, yes, Jean, although Murray Campbell's arguments do hold water, the state cannot and should not even attempt to engage in matters of religious conscience. As a good Baptist descended from the Bunyan in the separation of religion from the state tradition, Campbell puts forward a strong argument. But he fails to mention one very important fact. The religious schools of Victoria are substantially, indeed in some cases, overfunded by the Victorian State Treasury. In other words, they're more than happy, indeed they demand that they receive taxpayer funds, and everyone, including divorcees, adulterers, and LGBTQIA plus people, pay taxes. Exactly. For those with pure consciences, state money is dirty money. Yes. If these schools have entangled themselves financially with the state, then they've already sold out their Christian consciences out to the state. This could be expected of Catholic, Anglican, Muslim and Jewish schools. They believe that religious men should tell the state what to do in matters of faith and morals. Yes, and in some cases, these particular religions have promoted what we call theocracies. We have theocracies in the Middle East with the Muslim belief. We have what is almost a theocracy in Israel. Um, and we also have had um, what seemed to be almost theocracies in the past in the Christian tradition uh, back in, in both the ancient and the Middle Ages. But um, Australia is not a theocracy. We like to think that we are a secular state. Hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, but the Baptist Quakers and Seventh-day Adventists are perhaps worst of all because historically they have fought for the voluntarist separatist principle. Yes, Dog they've Hall. gone to the stake for this particularly um, and it was the Seventh-day Adventists who worked very hard to get Section 116 in the Constitution. The Quakers have gone to the stake for this principle and the Baptist people like Bunyan, for example, were put in jail. So this is, this is a historical tradition for these uh, smaller non-conformist groups. But when the money came online, which was fought for by the Catholic Church in Australia, they held out their hands. And now they are complaining because all of the arguments that they have used over the centuries are being used against them. Dogs hold that if religious schools take state aid, then they place themselves under the law of the state and should not be permitted to discriminate against any taxpayer or citizen that is paying for their enterprise. Talk of religious conscience is meaningless. He who pays the piper has every right to call the tune. Absolutely. So thank you very much, um Oliver and girls, uh, for our press release of today. And uh, we'll have a bit of a break now because uh, that was pretty meaty stuff, I think. We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Well, you're listening to 3CR, uh, 855 on the AM dial, and this is the Dogs Programme, the programme in which you find out about public education and uh, just what is happening in education throughout Australia. There has been an OECD education at a glance uh, 2021 report and it doesn't show Australia and our funding of public education in a very good light. It, uh, you could argue that it shows the, the, um, the funding of private education in a good light, but um, the dogs are here for public education and uh, Dale is going to tell you about this report. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, the report, uh, well, states public schools are underfunded and teachers underpaid, OECD data shows. So findings in the OECD's Education at a Glance 2021, released on the 17th of September 2021, show Australia continues to fall behind its OECD peers when it comes to investment in public, into public education. The findings highlight the critical need to invest in public schools, addressing escalating workloads and increased teacher and increased teacher salaries by a substantial margin, the Australian Education Union says. We have a responsibility to ensure every Australian child has the opportunity to thrive and achieve to their full potential. This data shows that we are lagging on fulfilling that responsibility in comparison with other OECD nations, AU Federal President Corinna Haythorpe said. There is a vast gap in public expenditure on education between Australia and comparable nations and economies, which must, which must urgently be addressed with increased federal government funding for public schools. The report has also intensified our concern our concerns about low teacher salaries and excessive workloads. It shows that Australian teachers are working harder without the appropriate salary remuneration and recognition of their work. The OECD has found that Australia spends 10.5% of total direct public spending on school and preschool education, less than 12 other nations. 
Australia's expenditure on upper secondary education at 1.6% of total public expenditure is 30% below the OECD average, which is 2.3% and fourth lowest among OECD nations and economies. And yet we hear all the time about how much we're spending on education, how expensive it is, and uh, that we're still falling behind. So perhaps um, perhaps uh, we should remind Mr Tudge Fudge of these actual, actual figures. I wonder if they even look at these reports, you know, that... Uh, you know, senior economists like Adam Rohrer spent time putting together and the OEC economists put together. The Australian seem, government seems to have its own special way of counting the beans that uh, only makes sense to them. <laughs> but anyway. I don't know, Gail. I think they have a very special level of incompetence <laughs> on many, many fronts. And I think this has been proved in the last six months. But... Um, Let's keep going with the OECD. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Australia compares unfavourably to 18 countries regarding teacher salaries and has a flatter scale for salary progression, leaving senior teachers without appropriate recognition of their skills and experience. Australia has a very flat salary scale with teachers at the top of the scale earning only 1.46 times the graduate salary, well below the OECD average ratio of 1.85 between graduate salaries and the top salaries, top of the salary scale. To achieve the same level, Australian teachers require a salary increase of more than 25% at the top of the scale. It's shocking. An affiliate of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU, and Education International, EI, uh, despite that, say, despite that Australian teachers have excessive workloads and spend more time in the classroom than the OECD average. Primary teachers spend 878 hours per year in the classroom, 11% more than the OECD average of 791 hours per year. Lower secondary teachers at 828 hours per year in the classroom, 14.5% more than the OECD average of 723 hours per year. Upper secondary teachers at 821 hours in the classroom per year, which is 19.9% more than the OECD average of 685 hours per year. The OECD report underlines the need for better resources, more teachers and education support staff and better pay and conditions for all, Ms Haythorpe said. The federal government must acknowledge the need for more investment in public education and urgently provide additional funding. That is how we lift Australia's performance and that is how we best ensure every school has what they need to ensure every child has the opportunities they deserve. Well, it's terribly important, isn't it, that we actually keep reminding our politicians of these facts and figures because when this... Um, plague has run its course and we are back to some kind of normal, we've got a very big debt, an enormous, enormous debt, much greater than ever the Whitlam government or any other government has ever uh, incurred. And we are going to be under pressure for our government to cut costs instead of taxing the rich uh, if we are going to solve these problems of our next generation and give them a go, then there is a whole question of the taxation system that we should be talking about alongside the international, these disgraceful international figures. But we'll have a bit of a break and we'll come back to, with some more information about um, what our teachers actually do. Maddie's going to tell us that their report writing is worth a phenomenal amount. Teachers don't just teach in classrooms, they also spend hours and hours and hours, both at school and night, at night trying to get funds for their schools and writing reports as well. <laughs> 
So we'll have a bit of a break and then we'll be back to Maddie. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. We hope that you're still with us because Maddie is going to tell you how much report writing in unpaid teachers' hours is actually worth. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yes, this is a report from the Australian Education Union and they say the report writing is worth $92.2 million dollars in unpaid teacher hours. How ridiculous is that? That's in Victoria. That's Victoria. Yes, that's in Victoria. That is, that is. A new survey has showed that Victoria's public school staff work an average of 32 unpaid hours on report writing and obviously related activities, delivering a saving of $92.2 million to the state government every semester. Data collected by the AEU from 8,581 teachers, principals and education support staff from 552 Victorian government schools shows public school staff worked 
$276,000, I mean, $276,000 unpaid hours on report writing and related activities during term two alone. These are absolutely shocking numbers, says the AEU Victorian branch president, Meredith Peace. She also says report writing is a fundamental task required of teachers and is essential for providing invaluable feedback to students and parents. It is alarming that school staff are expected to complete such an important function of teaching, largely unpaid and in their own time. Each year, every public school student in Victoria receives $1,384 less funding compared to public school students in all other states and territories. This is the Labor government doing this, Labor government. Yes. And yep. this is another example of how public school staff make up the funding shortfall through excessive workload. Teachers, principals and education support staff who work in Victorian government schools are dedicated to delivering high quality education. And that is a quote from Ms. Pierce. She also said they work in public education because they want every child to have the opportunity to reach their full potential. And they spend this time on report writing because they understand the importance of sharing accurate information about children's progress with their parents. But excessive workloads leave them exhausted, stressed, and at risk of burning out. And this has a direct impact on the education of students. The AEU Victorian branch is calling on the Andrews Labor government to commit to more investment in public schools and to include adequate and appropriate measures to alleviate excessive workload, including the employment of additional teachers in the next Victorian Government Schools Agreement, which is currently being negotiated. It has been more than 10 months since the AEU Victorian branch lodged its log of claims with negotiations commencing in December 2020. Ms Peace said, we are continuing those negotiations with the government in good faith. However, to this point in time, the government has not put a formal offer on the table. As part of our ongoing campaign, AEU members will be seeking further meetings with local state Labor MPs to raise concerns about excessive workloads, including in relation to report writing activities and to seek support for measures to address their concerns. Well, that's a very interesting, very interesting figures. Mm. And we mm. wish the, um, the, the union well in its efforts to get more pay into our teachers' bank accounts because they have done a sterling job through the pandemic. And, um, yes, the labourer should be worthy of his hire. I'm getting biblical there. But we'll have a little bit of a break and uh, we'll come back. And um, Sorrel is going to tell us about the industrial battle with teachers, which is going to loom as the students head back to school. Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMAR. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mōbōhina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Well, welcome back to the Dogs Program and... Um, Sorrel's going to tell us about the industrial battle with the teachers 
that's looming as the students head back to school. Over to you, Sol. Thanks, Jean. So in New South Wales, there is an industrial battle with teachers looming as students head back to school. The age notes that a similar situation to Victoria is emerging. Students will return to public schools next month against the backdrop of what are expected to be the most bitterly contested award negotiations between teachers and the New South Wales Department of Education in more than a decade. And as we've just heard, the Victorian government is just avoiding the question of how much they're going to pay the teachers and the award wage mm-hmm. here in Victoria. So um, you can have either contest, a contested uh, space or you can have, as Mr Andrews is doing, just avoiding the issue. Mm. It's worrying for teachers. Definitely. It's like a bad therapy session. The New South Wales Teachers Federation wants pay rises of up to 7.5% a year and two extra hours per week of planning time, saying skyrocketing workloads and stagnating salaries have put many people off joining the profession, leading to worsening shortages. However, the Department of Education is unlikely to breach a 2.5% annual growth cap on public sector wages introduced by the coalition government 10 years ago. The policy only allows the cap to be breached if productivity gains are negotiated. The award expires in December and the Federation wants negotiations to begin in October. Schools in Greater Sydney are due to begin reopening on October 25th when teachers will have to deal with the significant learning, developmental and emotional impacts on students due to the lockdown. A spokesperson for the department has said teacher salaries were competitive both nationally and internationally and planning time was comparable with other states. Any changes to teacher salaries and conditions will need to be considered in the context of these negotiations and the wages policy, he said. Over the past decade, the Federation has focused its substantial resources on campaigning for more public school funding from the federal government. It has now redirected its attention to wages and conditions in New South Wales amid amid mounting discontent from teachers. It will begin a statewide advertising campaign on Thursday, pricing its case with parents and voters. The union has not ruled out industrial action and has been holding rolling stop work meetings in regional and some city schools where teacher shortages have disrupted classes. Yes, there's been quite a lot of schools in New South Wales have had to be closed because they haven't got enough teachers anyway. I think they're about 11,000 teachers short. Um, People are not going into the profession because uh, they are not paid enough and they are not treated very well either. Mm. Uh, by the public. So um, there is a crisis throughout Australia in a shortage of teachers. Yes, but they've mm. got a pretty a pretty good um, president up there in New South Wales and um, Sorrell will tell us about him. Yes, Angelo Gavrilatos, the Federation's yeah. president, said the wage claim of between 5 and 7.5% was based on the findings of an inquiry chaired by former West Australian Premier Jeff Gallup, which found teacher salaries had fallen well behind those of similar professions. We cannot fix the shortages problem until we fix the wages and the workload problem, Mr Gavrilatos has said. As we've seen so clearly demonstrated in the past 18 months, Teachers in public schools are committed professionals determined to do whatever they can to ensure that every child gets a high quality education, but there aren't enough of them right now. Mr. Gavrilotta said the government should consider lifting teachers' wages beyond the cap, given the significant change in the nature and value and skills since the last time there was an evaluation before the Industrial Relations Commission in 2002-2003. The New South Wales government has acknowledged a teacher shortage is biting in the regions, some areas of Sydney and in the high school disciplines such as maths. More shortages loom as enrolment numbers for education degrees fall by a third and a half of trainees fail to finish their courses. A tutoring package to help students recover from remote learning that was introduced after the last lockdown, GAND is likely to be repeated. 
also reduced the pool of casual teachers as many took jobs as tutors and demand rose due to bans on working with cold symptoms. There will also be an increasing need for teachers as the state's population grows and a multi-billion dollar building program creates new classrooms and schools which will have to be staffed. One education economist estimated the state would need 11,000 new teachers by 2030. That is a lot and That's not very That's a lot of teachers, away. yes. Oh. Yeah. The government allocated $124.8 million in this year's state budget to a teacher supply strategy, although it has not yet announced what that strategy will involve. One element will be a recruitment campaign and new incentives for teachers to move to the bush. Tom Aligonarius, a former chair of the New South Wales Education Standards Authority and the chair of the Education Measurement and Assessment Hub at Sydney University, said the nature of teaching has changed over the past 15 years, but the employment conditions did not reflect this. At the heart of it is that teachers feel there is a lack of regard for the complexity of their work and what is required to do it properly. Teachers who do their work the way they know it should be done are working much harder than they should be for their conditions and pay, he said. The world has changed. Teachers' arrangements have not caught up. Young teachers know it and feel it and resent it. Yes, well, there's going to be a big generation gap too, even amongst teachers, isn't there? Uh, not only are they not going to be able to afford to buy a house, uh, there'll be a lot of other things that they'll have problems with too because uh, the pay has just not gone up in Australia for a long, long time. But um, we'll have a little bit of a break now and uh, we'll come back with some good news. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Parkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive relationships with each other, with the teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit! Our education is not for profit! You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, we hope you're still listening to the, to the DOGS program this afternoon because we've got some good news, some really splendid news. There have been two Australians, teachers, who are in the running 
for the Global Teacher Prize of $1 million in 2021. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, so, so uh, two teachers in Australia are in the running for the... Uh, uh, two the two teachers are Stephen Colbert and Rebecca West, so congratulations. They've been named in the top 50 finalists for the $1 million Global Teacher Prize of 2021. Now, two Australian educators have been named in top 50 for 2021. Uh, Deputy Principal of Bonnie Rigg Public School in New South Wales, Rebecca West, and English and History teacher from Brunswick Secondary College in Victoria, Stephen Colbert, are in the running. To win is that the, wonderful? It is to win the US one million dollars US. So you know, it's a little bit more than a million oh, Australian. Let's hope, oh, let's hope one of them wins it. Wow. Yes, the largest prize of its kind. The prize, which is presented by the Varki Foundation in partnership with UNESCO, is awarded to an exceptional teacher who is making an outstanding contribution to the profession. The top fifty shortlist was selected from over 8,000 nominations and applications from 121 countries around the world. Now in its uh, seventh year, West and Colber joined other Australian teachers who've also been named among the top 50 educators in the world in the past years, such as Eddie Wu, Sarah Matthews and Charlie Klein in 2018, Yasudai Selvakumaran and Peter Gurria Jones in 2019, and Ashley Stewart in 2020. West has been recognised for her work in a highly multi multicultural community, serving students from complex, low socioeconomic backgrounds. Throughout her career as a classroom teacher, she's focused on creating safe and engaging classroom environments where learning was relevant and student voice was valued. Now, now, in her work as Deputy Principal, she's refined her school's learning structure and helps to support the professional development of teachers statewide. West is also known for creating educational videos on her education YouTube channel, Clever Pickles, while her YouTube channel, Talk and Chalk, has clocked up over 1.1 million views and helps her engage in professional dialogue with educators worldwide. Now, Colbert was recognised for his willingness to share his expertise with others and contribute to the wider education community. Sharing, for me, encompasses leading teachers through global collaboration, publishing instructional videos for teachers and students, delivering professional learning and working with teachers to engage them in research, Colbert tells teacher. I, like many other teachers, publish teaching content online via my YouTube channel, Mr. Colbert's Teaching, for other teachers and students to use. Contributing educational musings and interviews to the TER podcast and building communities to share best practice through Teach Meets or through the academic reading group, hashtag EduReading, all typify this sharing, he adds. Through his work, Colbert also advocates for teachers and strives to empower them to understand the important role they have in society. Advocating for teachers is step one. Empowering teachers to advocate for themselves is step two, he shares. I believe teachers can and should be taking more visible, active and public roles within our society in recognition of the superb and important work we do. Hear, hear. He believes that more can be done to support teachers, particularly when it comes to advocating for them in the public sphere. A current focus of my work is the manner in which teachers are represented in the media, typically in overtly negative ways, invariably linked to standardised testing results and claimed to be anything but the best and the brightest. Yet the experience of teacher adaptability during lockdowns has been incredible and worthy of significant and long-lasting praise. Colbert says it's wonderful to be recognised among the top 50 finalists this year and he looks forward to collaborating with other superb educators on the shortlist. It's wonderful to be recognised. 
I see it as part of, I see it as part recognition of the superb work that Victorian teachers have completed over this year and last during rolling periods of lockdown and the flexibility they have shown, he says. I hope that this recognition becomes more common within education, not only at the individual level, but the Victorian, New South Wales and Australian teaching workforce. I see it as continuing the line of superb teachers, including those 11 already recognised by the reward over the past six years, which represent this excellence. Teachers from Peru, Nigeria, Morocco, Russia, Canada, the UK, Chile, Spain, the USA and many more make up the top 50 finalists for 2021. This year, the Varki Foundation also launched the Chegg.org Global Students Prize, a sister award to the Global Teacher Prize, to shine a light on the efforts of extraordinary students everywhere. The winning student will receive $100,000. The top 10 finalists of both Global Teacher Prize and the Global Student Prize will be announced in October this year. The overall winners are due to be announced at an awards ceremony in Paris in November. Uh, to find out more about the educators named alongside Stephen Colbert and Rebecca West in the top 50 shortlist, visit the Global Teacher Prize website. Congratulations. Well, oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? And, and so close too, just up at Brunswick there. So let's hear about this wonderful Brunswick Secondary College. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And this week's great state school is Brunswick Secondary College. And this is from their website. I'm going to do a little bit of quoting. Brunswick Secondary College has an overall enrollment of approximately 1,000 students. The majority of students reside in Brunswick with a smaller number of students from outside the Brunswick area. The school has a select entry accelerated learning program with an intake at year seven and an international student program. The school offers a discipline-based curriculum complemented by units of work which are cross-disciplinary and a wide range of elective subjects and enrichment programs. Our goal is to improve the achievement levels of individual students and specific cohorts through continuing to raise expectations and standards of learning. To ensure that all students have access to the same high standards of teaching, staff develop curriculum and assessment tasks in teams. Teachers are committed to professional learning in order to improve their practice. Supporting high academic standards is an emphasis on positive relationships and community. This places a strong value on student feedback to their teachers. There are diverse opportunities for parental involvement, student leadership, and a rich array of extracurricular activities. In our school, the six values of teamwork, respect, excellence, achievement, persistence, and responsibility underlie all relationships, planning, and activities within the college. At Brunswick Secondary College, we strive continually to provide the highest standards of student engagement and learning so that we continue to be regarded by the Brunswick community as an excellent choice for its students. Brunswick Secondary College's success can be measured by the steady increase in enrolment, reputation and results that has occurred over the past decade and through data analysis demonstrating a strong value add to learning. I'm going to shoot some stats at you from the My School website. This school in the inner northern suburbs services many families with a generous income, but it is certainly much more representative of the Australian community than the so-called Fitzroy Community School <laughs> that has placed their teachers and students in danger from the plague. We spoke about that school last week. 
The school has approximately 1,000 students, 503 boys and 485 girls. Its ICSIA value is 1,100, which is above average. And 40, 47% of its families have an income in the upper quartile or 25% of the Australian community. 25% are from the second quartile, 17% from the third, and 11% are from disadvantaged families. There are 43% from non-English backgrounds attending this school, and the Australian government provides $2.7 million and the state provides $10.4 million. The parents paid $1.23 million in fees and raised $279,000 in 2020. So this isn't a poor, this isn't a school just for poor people. It's a school with a, a pretty broad range of income, uh, which means that the 11% of disadvantaged children can benefit from the upper ranges of income. Absolutely. And all in all, it costs $14,000 to educate a child at this secondary school. Bargain. The NAPLAN oh. results are just fine. So, Maddie, this, uh, this school is run not on a greasy rag quite, but on the smell of a greasy rag, but it certainly isn't over overfunded. Um, uh, and uh, they are doing an extraordinarily good job. So people in the Brunswick area are realising this and they, wealthy and poor, are sending their children to this wonderful school. And now we discover that they have a teacher who is one of the 50 best teachers in the whole world and he could actually win a prize of $1 million. So... That's really a great state school, isn't it? With a great state school teacher Perfect. in it. But uh, our time has gone. If you'd like to find out more about the dogs, you can visit us at our website at www.adogs.info. Uh, and um, it's time for us now to say goodbye from Dale, Web Oliver, Maddie, Sol and me. Bye for now. So
brought you here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. Sir. Uh.